This morning we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. How many of you are glad you have the Holy Spirit in your life? We ha- yes, yes, yes. We have, we, we have the Trinity. I'm not going to get into try to explain this all together here, but we have the Trinity, and we have Father, and then we have Son through Jesus Christ. And then when Jesus died, he said, I'm going to give to you a great advocate. I'm going to give you a source. I'm not going to leave you alone on this mission of yours. I'm going to give to you the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about this this morning. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you would just put it on your calendar to come out tonight. We're going to have a time of worship. And we're just going to just say, God, I want more of you tonight, whatever you would have. And maybe this message would resonate with you, and, and you're saying, you know what, I want to come and just experience God in his fullness of his spirit, and we're going to pray for God to, to, to do healings tonight. So I want to encourage you to come out for that worship service. But today is Pentecost Sunday. How many of you knew that? It's Pentecost Sunday. It is the day that the church was born. This is the birthday of the church. I'm going to talk about Thrive Church. I'm going to talk about the church as a whole. How many of you feel like we should sing happy birthday to the church this morning? All right. I think we should, but we're not going to. All right. And so what happened on that, on that day was what is called, what is known as the Holy, Holy Spirit Baptism. And if you have been in church world long enough, you know there's a lot of controversy, a lot of questions that people have. This has been probably in church world, probably the most divisive issue in church world itself. And I think that because of this divisiveness, that we've missed out on the intent of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I think that it's left the church, what I would say, powerless. And I think it has left a lot of Christians powerless. And so today what I want to do is I want to unpack this as best I can. And again, there are a lot of notes in here. And I'm really going to try to pace myself here and, and move along at a good clip. But I encourage you to, anytime that you get these notes, take these notes home and say, all right. I felt like, Lord, you were speaking to me in that service, but I, I'm not sure I quite grasp it all. And go through these notes and say, God, reveal to me truth. Reveal to me the truth of your word. I heard what pastor said, but Lord, I want to hear what you have to say. Can we just do that this morning? Holy Spirit, great counselor, we ask that you would come and speak truth to us this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, they're going to hear the pastor preach, but I pray that yours would be the loudest voice in this room, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So what is this all about? What happened on the day of Pentecost? The day, what happened on the day of Pentecost, it changed our world. It changed our world. Acts chapter 2 approximately 120 Christ followers. They were gathered together, praying, asking God, seeking for more of God, whatever this promise that Jesus had talked to them about, and they were praying and asking God for it, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit fell on them, and they were changed. They were changed, and there's so much that we could talk about just that change, but I want you to know that if you're, if you're how many of you have tried to change yourself before? And how many of you, you're not good at it? And how many of you have read self-help books? And they're like, man, this is such an inspiring book, and I'm going to go out and do it. And you didn't do it. 
And it didn't change anything. I want you to know it's because we, we try to do things without the Holy Spirit in our lives. I want you to know he is the ultimate change agent. He is the change agent, and we need him in our life. And so as a result of this baptism, the church was born. So before, where, where do we get this idea? So before Jesus went to the cross, he told his disciples that God was going to give to them the Holy Spirit as in a counselor. And he was, the Holy Spirit was going to take the place of Jesus. Now think about this here. These disciples have been following Jesus around and, 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 and just kind of following him and just like, what? what, what? And they see these miracles and they're like, wow. And they see this happen and demons being pulled out of people and just blown away. And, and Jesus says, okay, now we're on this mission of life change and I'm going to go to the cross. And they're like, you're going to go to a what? You know, and they didn't quite grasp what was happening to him. But Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you alone. Acts chapter 1, 4, and 5, he says, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Everybody say the gift. Because that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's a gift. This is a gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus is telling them that they're going to be baptized, baptized with his spirit. I'm going to talk about baptism here in just a little bit. But I want you to know, if God has a gift for them, he's going to give it to them. If God has a gift for you, he wants to give it to you. But in order to receive a gift, here's a deal. In order to receive a gift, what, what, what motion do our hands need to have? If, you're, if, you're, if I'm about to give you a gift, what, what, how do our hands, yeah, we've got to put our hands out. Not only our hands, but our head. Not only our hands, but our hearts. And I think that's what, that's what, I think that's what the Holy Spirit would have us do this morning. We need to put out our hands. We need to put out our heads, our hearts, to receive this gift that God has for us. So it says that when Jesus left them, they were gathered together. And they were praying. So Jesus said, I have a gift for you. And so they, they just must have just started prayer meetings. It's like, okay. You know, we're, they, they were in hiding here because they just saw what had happened to Jesus some few weeks earlier. And they're praying, God has a gift for us. God has a gift for us. Lord, whatever it is that you would have for me. That, that, that's really how it starts. Oh, by the way, that's really how, if you're here this morning and you want more of God in your life, it really starts off with a heart and a mind and prayers of God. I'm taking this time here. I'm, I'm getting away from my wish list here. and God, I just want more of you. God, I, I want that gift that you have for me. I want all that you have for me. God, fill me with that spirit. It says here then that on, on the day of Pentecost, all of the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. In other words, they began to speak in tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So let's just kind of pick this passage apart here. First of all, Pentecost. Pentecost. 
Sometimes when, you, when people say that or they hear that, you know, I'm a, I'm a Pentecostal, you know. I, I, I used to serve in a church in Dayton, Ohio, and that was kind of near the Kentucky border a little bit. So they had just a little Kentucky slang in there just a little bit. And it, and it was a Pentecostal church. How many of you come from a Pentecostal church a little bit, all right? And, and so it, it, Pentecostal, but you know what that word means? How many of you know what that word Pentecost means? Some people, when you hear that word Pentecost, I know you do, Bill. I know you know exactly what it means. But a lot of people think, sometimes, some people think crazy, Bill. They think chandeliers in church. They think, wahoo. You know what the word Pentecost means? The word Pentecost means 50. 50. In other words, it was 50 days from Passover. And it was a Jewish celebration. That's what a Pentecost means, a Jewish celebration. So I want you to know this morning, Pentecost is not about crazy. It's not about crazyville. It's about power to make a difference. Just get that in your mind. It's not about crazy. It's about power. And on that day of celebration, they were doing one thing. They were seeking God. Seeking more of God, seeking this gift that Jesus had told them to wait for. Just, I want you to seek, and it's going to happen. And suddenly, they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit, and God poured His Spirit out on them in an incredible, magnificent way. How many of you understand what I'm talking about this morning? How many of you have had that? You've had that experience, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, what is the Holy Spirit? I talked about that earlier, one part of the Trinity, and again, that's just a whole... That's a whole sermon series on that, but we're just touching on it this morning. The Holy Spirit is kind of like, it's referred to as a wind. It's kind of, it's referred to as the wind in your sails. In order to go in a a sailboat and to get anywhere, you need to have a wind that is pressing against that sails. Notice Luke uses wind and fire as metaphors. So wind is a a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. When he talks about what happened in that room, it was like a a wind that just came in. And and so, again, the Bible depicts the Spirit as a wind. And here's the thing about a wind. You cannot see it. You don't know where it comes from. There's a lot of questions about how it's developed. How many of you ever been in just like a dead heat day and all of a sudden this windstorm comes out of nowhere? You never saw it coming, but all of a sudden you see the effects of it and you feel the effects of it, but yet you can't see it. That's kind of like the Holy Spirit. And then it said that it was like a fire. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. And see, the Spirit of God is often referred to as a fire. It is, if you look at the Exodus story, you see that the Israelites, they followed a pillar of fire by night. They were following this cloud, and it was the Holy Spirit that they were following, God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And they learned to trust the Spirit. We also know that fire, what it does is it consecrates Consecrate means to to separate. Fire was used to consecrate gold. In other words, they would just boil up the gold until it was melt, and then they could kind of scoop out all of the impurities so that they had pure gold. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. He wants to take you to a period of consecration. And I want you to know that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. God wants to develop you and do all that he has created you to be. 
And then there was this thing called tongues. And this is where a lot of people get mixed up because they look at somebody who is speaking in tongues and like, what in the world is that? What in the world is happening there? Tongues is the ability to speak in a language that you've not already learned. And that's exactly what happened to these disciples. It says that when, they, when the baptism of the Holy Spirit came upon them, that they just went out of their prayer room and they were just so filled with the Spirit and they were talking and they were going on and, and some said, I, I'm, that person is not from my country, but they're speaking my language. Not only were they speaking a man's language, but they were speaking in a prayer language. And Paul talks about this prayer language. In 1 Corinthians 14, 2, how many of you, you, you understand you have a prayer language this morning? You understand what I'm talking about? I remember growing up in a, in a Pentecostal church in Maryland, and I remember sitting next to my grandmother, and it was during the altar time and a prayer time, and man, she would just begin to pray in tongues. She was praying in her prayer language. And that made no sense to me until I experienced that same experience, and it changed me. I'll talk about that here in a little bit. But Paul says, for if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. Since people won't be able to understand you, that's what it is. It's a prayer language that only God understands. You don't understand, but God understands it. And you will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, it, but it will all be mysterious. So tongues is a prayer language that transcends the limitations of human language. It enables us to express really our hearts with God. And I'll tell you this, I speak in tongues all the time in my prayer time. Just In fact, this morning, this morning I was praying for the church, praying for this service. And sometimes you ever, you ever get something just so heavy on your heart and you just, you don't even have the words for it. And that's when I, I, just, I just begin to speak in that unknown language. And like I, in my mind, I have no idea what I'm communicating to God. But in my spirit, I always feel like there's this release. God, I don't know what I'm saying, but I know you understand and you hear it. And I just, and even this morning, just praying for the church. Praying for this service today, just knowing that there's a release, that God hears that prayer, and God is working all things out, just like we sang this morning. And so we see here, there was, if you follow the story, there was two different responses from the crowd. The first, part, first group of the people, they were amazed. Like what, you know, just imagine you're from a different country and you're hearing your language spoken from somebody who is definitely not from your country. Or they're just kind of amazed, but just with these disciples, weren't they a few weeks ago in hiding from what happened to Jesus? And now they're out here and they're just, they're amazed. And then another group of people, I think this is kind of funny, they disregarded him because they, these guys are drunk. <laughs> I, recognize, I recognize being drunk. But the only problem was it was early in the morning, and nobody, even in those times, got drunk in the mornings. And so it was just kind of a confusing thing. But what's interesting is when you look at the effect that the Holy Spirit had on his disciples, that's really the evidence. Like I said, these disciples, they looked at the cross. They saw what happened to Jesus. And they, in their flesh, they're probably thinking, what is happening to Jesus, I do not want to happen to me. 
And so I think if I was a follower of Jesus, I think I would be in a hiding for a while myself, just not knowing what to do. Because that's what I do when I'm in my own flesh. I kind of go into hiding. And so that's what happened. We, we look at Peter. Peter is this fisherman. This, you know, this fisherman who, who Jesus invited to follow him. But then he became kind of a leader among the disciples. We know that Peter, James, and John, Jesus really poured his life and ministry into them. But still, Peter is that squirrely one. Peter is the one who just always like, ah, da, 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 you know, talking like this and real energetic. But then when it came time to back it up, he was like, yeah, running away. Or just, just one of those guys who were just real impulsive and really brash. But Jesus saw something in him. And Jesus said that, that Peter, one of these days, he, he gave him the name Peter. And he says, one of these days, I'm going to build a church on you. On your ministry, the church is going to be born. Wouldn't that be exciting? That God give him that vision. And I want you to know, just as he gave Peter a vision, God has given you a vision. You are a part of that church. You are part of the vision that God gave to Peter. Well, isn't it interesting again, Peter, impulsive. Jesus talks to him and says, Peter, Peter, as I'm taken away, you're going to deny me three times. No, I won't. No, I won't. No, I won't. But we know three times. And even on the third time, Peter said, I don't know this man. So again, we have this man who's just failure after failure, failure, and, and, and kind of challenged. But then after the baptism, something happened to him. There was an instant boldness that came over him. We see this Peter who... When he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, this man, these disciples who were in hiding, and all of a sudden he goes out into the same streets that Jesus carried the cross on. And he goes out and he boldly proclaims a message that was not popular back then and is still not popular today. And he began to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he began to challenge people to repent of their sins and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That is boldness. What came over this failure? What happened to this man? Well, I'll tell you, I believe it was through the baptism of the Holy Spirit that he was emboldened. He became a different person. And I believe that God did a supernatural work in Peter's life. And I believe God wants to do a supernatural work in your life. God wants to do a super, supernatural work in us so that he can do a great work through us. Let me say that one more time. God wants to do a supernatural work in you so that he can do a great work through you. So in the Bible, we see examples of baptism. We see this word baptize. And the word baptize means to be immersed. To be immersed. And to, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit means to be immersed in God's Spirit. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. So later on, after the Pentecost baptism, we see other incidents just like this. Let's read Acts chapter 19. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. 
No, they replied, we haven't heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So these were, were believers, but some, some look at it, some scholars look at it as they were believers in John. They were believers in John the Baptist, but not quite believers in Jesus, all right? So that they didn't realize, they didn't realize that they needed to put their faith in Jesus and that that's when the Holy Spirit would come. So then it says here, then what, bapt- what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John, just like I was talking about. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they had heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So we see in this passage, we see three different baptisms. First of all is the baptism of salvation. So after the resurrection, Jesus put his Holy Spirit. I I like to call it, he put his pilot light. How many of you know what a pilot light is? How many of you, when you look at a furnace, or even in our fireplace, you just got that little flame that's, that's tickering all of a sudden. God put his pilot light inside him. Look at this verse here, John 20, verse 19 through 20, 22. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. He said, peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, again, here, this is after the resurrection. This is after the resurrection. These disciples, they may have been believers, but they did not have the Holy Spirit in them yet. Okay, just just follow me on this. They believed in Jesus, but they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. And so now Jesus, at this moment, I give to you the Holy Spirit. This is the spirit, this is the the, the baptism of salvation. So again, I want you to understand this morning, all of you here, if you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has placed his Holy Spirit in inside of you. Okay, so this is what I want you to do. Just, if, if, if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, I just want you to hold up your pilot light this morning. Just go ahead and hold up your pilot light. All right, there we, there we go. There we go, all of you. See, the Holy Spirit's living inside of you. That's a really cool thing. You have been baptized in salvation. So then there's a second baptism, and that is what is referred to as water baptism. How many of you have, have you partaken in water baptism? Acts chapter 2, 41, it says, those who believed what Peter said, remember me talking about Peter here? I know I'm all over the place this morning, but follow me here. After Peter proclaimed and, and, and talked to these people about the gospel of Jesus, 3,000 people said, I want that pilot light inside of me. And they, they chose Jesus, and God put his Holy Spirit in 3,000 of them. And then what Peter said, let's, let's have a baptism service. And I don't know what it looked like, but I'm sure arms, Peter's arms were pretty sore after a time. I'm sure Peter probably needed rotator cuff surgery after that baptism service. And 3,000 people were water baptized. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. I want you to know this morning, being baptized 
does not get you into heaven. It's not a prerequisite. It's a step of obedience. It is a communication to the world that I am a follower of Christ. It's, it's, it's kind of a symbolism. How many married folks out there, married folks, they just kind of hold up your, your wedding ring this morning. You got your wedding ring on. Yeah, it's symbolism to the world. You're, you're communicating to the rest of the world in case you might be interested in me. Uh, I'm married. I'm committed to one person. I am faithful to that one person. And that's what baptism means. It, and it's just a step of obedience. Even so much of a step of obedience that even Jesus followed in the steps of baptism. And I want to encourage you, first of all, It's not a prerequisite for salvation. Second of all, I want to encourage you to take that step of baptism if you haven't been baptized already. I want you to declare to the world, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I want you to know this. Write this on your calendar. July 25th is going to be our next baptism that we're going to have here in the service. And we will Thrive Church. That is the thing. That's the thing we are going to celebrate. That is the victory at Thrive Church is uh, water baptisms. But the third baptism was the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So in Ephesians 5.18, the Apostle Paul is talking to Christians who have been water baptized. They have the pilot light on. They have been water baptized. And now Paul challenges them with the third baptism. And he says here in Ephesians 5.18, he says, don't be, I love this passage. This is a good one for for the, the state of Wisconsin. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. And everyone said, amen. How many of you, you said amen because you have found that out the hard way. (laughs) You have been there, done that, you know all about that. All right, it will ruin your life. If you live that lifestyle, it's going to catch up with you. Instead, everybody say instead. Instead. Here's a crazy idea. Here's a crazy idea. Why don't we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, again, remember who he's talking about here. Isn't isn't this a little confusion? He's talking to people who had the pilot light on of salvation. We're talking to people who have already been baptized in water. But now he's talking about what if we were completely immersed in the Holy Spirit, what would that look like? What would that look like? Just a side note here. I heard somebody tell me this. Do you know why people get drunk? I know many of you know that because it tastes good. I don't know. But if it just tastes good when we just kind of just take portions at a time. But why, why, why this? Why this? Somebody told me this because they want to be filled with the Spirit that is not currently their own. And I think Paul's recognized that. Instead of going out and trying to fill yourself with a spirit and you're going to wake up the next day with a really raging headache and a whole lot of more pain in your life, why don't you instead be filled with God's spirit, which will fill you with a confidence, will fill you with a boldness, fill you with a peace that you've never had before. What if it would just fill you with what you were looking for? I'm going to go on. I'm going to skip that next passage, guys. What is the purpose? 
What is the purpose for your empowerment for life? It's for the empowerment of life and mission. I'm going to say that right. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus tells the waiting disciples why they need this third baptism. And he says this. Listen, this is really important. Jesus says, you will receive power. Everybody say power. power. You're going to receive power for your life and for your mission. And this power will happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in immersion. And then it, what's going to happen is, is because you have a mission in this life, all of us have a mission, that you will be my witnesses and you will tell people about me. You're going to go everywhere, Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, into the 715 area code, and to the ends of the earth, you will be my witnesses. So each and every person here, you got a pilot light on? All my pilot light people, just put, you, you got a mission. You got a mission. Whether you realize it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you want it or not, you're on a mission. And you're called to impact the world around you. Remember that song we sang in Sunday school, This Little Light of Mine? I'm going to let it shine. And that's great. That's great with a pilot light. But what about a raging flame? What, what, what kind of power is there in a raging flame? Because we all know this. If you've ever looked at a furnace before and you, you're looking at it, well, I have my fireplace. We got this little switch on the wall. And you just flick that switch and all of a sudden... Raging fire in our fireplace. And that's what Jesus said. I think that's the imagery he wants us to have. You will receive. Everybody just, can we just do that so I don't feel so silly right here? Can we just all do one to count of three? Let's give it a, a one, two, three. There you go. That was power right there. You will receive. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, we laugh about that, but it's true. It's true. That is the purpose of the Holy Spirit for your life and for your mission. It is for your life and for your mission. Just look at the person next to you and say, it's for your life and it's for your mission. Listen, I, this passage I tried to stick in front of me. It's not written in your notes. I write this down, Zechariah 4, 6. As a pastor, I try to keep this in front of me. Because the temptation is to just go about life and I'm just going to tackle this and I'm going to fix this and I'm going to do all of that and I'm going to change the community all through my abilities and stuff. But it says here, it's not by my might. It's not by my power. It's not by my wonderful personality. It's not through my phenomenal preaching and all the church said, It's not by that. It's not by your pathetic response. <laughs> but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And if we are going to engage in this mission of life change, I don't want to be who. Huh. I want to be who. Huh. I want to do it in God's power. Because I know I can't do it on my own. Because when I'm, when I'm walking around like this, my temptation is to do it on my own. Because maybe I'm not quite so impressed with that. 
But when you've been filled with God's spirit, you've overflowing with it, you, you know it, it impacts you. So the Holy Spirit empowers me to live righteously. And there, there's so much that we could talk about this because the Holy Spirit convicts, right? It's a different, different subject. How many of you have felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit? You cannot get away from it. Number two, it empowers me to live supernaturally. I, I want to live my life supernaturally. I want to believe in the power of prayer. I want to see lives changed in Jesus' name. I want to see people healed. But I know it's not through me. I know it's through me asking because I know that my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I can think or even imagine. That's living supernaturally. But it empowers me to live on mission I'm going to talk about here as I close out this message. How do you receive the, Holy, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? There's so much that I can say here. I, first of all, I would say find a place that you can connect with God. And maybe that's tonight. Maybe that's today. It can happen anywhere. I've talked to people where they, it's happened to them as they're driving their car. They're walking in a park. They're walking on a trail. They're just found a place to be in connection with God, whatever that looks like for you. And I would tell you this, number one, remove all the barriers. And approach God with a heart of repentance, and that's what Acts chapter 2 talks about here. But just just approach God and say, God, I, I just want more of you. God, forgive me. I don't want anything in my life that is hindering me from having more of you. I don't want there to be a wall. And then second of all, request. Ask God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just ask him. I love this passage here. Luke eleven thirteen. So if your sinful people know, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Just ask. Just ask him. God, I, I want more of you can just tell you just a quick story here for a, a good friend of mine way back when I was a youth pastor in Bemidji, Minnesota. He used to golf with this guy, a friend of mine, and, and he was a pastor of a free Methodist church. Free Methodist church would probably be in deep disagreement with this message this morning, okay? That, that's just where, I, yeah, the division of the church. But I, this is where, we're, that's where I, I'm at. This is where I am with the Word of God. And so we would golf and we would talk about faith and stuff like that. We would have great, there's a lot of laughter and stuff. And I just, as he was talking, I just, I had to ask, Steve, are, are you spirit-filled? That's kind of a code word for a baptized of the Holy Spirit. Are you spirit-filled? And he, he looked around like this. He goes, shit. He started chuckling. Yeah, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. So I'll get fired. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I thought free Methodist. Yeah, he goes, I know, I know, I know, I know. So let me tell you what happened to me. He says, man, my church is so dry. And, it, and I go on Saturday afternoons, and I go to my church office, and I'm just kind of trying to write my message. And like, oh, these people, they're so dry. And everything that we argue about, we argue about the color of the carpet and stuff like we got the dumbest things. And he went out in the auditoriums and he just began to pray. Like, God, I need more than, more than this. God, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than this. God, whatever it is, I want it. I want it. 
He says, I just was laying down, just calling out to God, God, I want more of you. God, I need more of you. And he says, something happened to me. And he says, this overwhelming rush, this feeling, I can't explain it to me. Explaining, he says, I just began to speak in this other tongue that wasn't my own. And he says, in my mind, I'm thinking, that is a crazy, what is going on with me? Am I having a seizure or what? What's happening here? He goes, but in my spirit, I felt complete peace. And I felt joy and I felt a boldness. And he said, it changed me. It changed me. And he says, I, I now go boldly and confidently into God's word and into my church. It changes life. And that's what God wants to do to you. But you need to receive it. That's my third point is receive him by faith. Hebrews tells us, and it is impossible to please God. It is just, and it's impossible to receive his gifts without faith. And anyone who comes to him must, must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So I, I just want to encourage you, church. It, just becomes, it starts with a heart that's repentant. Maybe right where you're at, just, God, forgive me. Maybe there's a sin in your life that needs to be dealt with. God wants to, to deal with that sin in your life. He's not asking you to be perfect. He's asking you to be repentive. Just say, God, forgive me. If there's anything in my life, I, I want this gift. I want all that you have for me, whatever it looks like. I need your spirit. I'm putting again, putting aside my wish list of things that I wish you would do. God, I'm just asking you to fill me with your gift. I want to be overflowing with the gift of your spirit. In Jesus' name. If you're here this morning, you, want, you just want that, that, receive that gift of God's spirit. If you've not received it before, just lift up your hand right now. In Jesus' name, all around this room, people who are lifting up your hands, those who are watching online, you just want more of God in your life. Begin to seek it. God, I want more of you. God, I need more of you and less of me and my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would just fill me with such a hunger and a desire for more of you, God. I, I accept this mission that you have called to me, this mission of life change. And I know I cannot change anyone, but it's through the power of your Holy Spirit that's going to bring life change to the 715 and beyond. In Jesus' name, God, throughout this week, speak to me. Throughout this week, I pray. In Jesus' name. Can I just challenge you, church, this week? Let's start tonight. I encourage you to come out tonight. We're going to pray for those who want to receive this gift. But I'm going to ask you this, this week to just, if you're not able to come tonight, just, just as you're driving, just put aside your wish list. How many of you understand when I talk about wish list? Your, just your prayer this week, God, I want more of you. God, I need more of you. God, show me where you need to become more and I need to be less. I challenge you, church, and watch what God does. Watch him pour out his spirit in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Can we just give God praise this morning? We give you praise this morning. We lift up your name. Hey, this is Sheldon Miles here, pastor at Thrive Church, and I want to thank you for watching this video. 
And if it impacted you in any way, I want to encourage you to do three things. First, become a part of the Thrive Church family by subscribing and following us. Make sure to join us on our Facebook page every Sunday. Second thing is share. Share with your friends, coworkers, and the people around you. The final thing, consider partnering with us financially. If this ministry is impacting you, I would ask you to pray about what you can give to help us take this message to the entire 715. And as always, we want you to know that you are welcome, accepted, and loved here at Thrive Church. And remember, you were created to thrive. We'll see you next week.